Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name's Joshua. And I'm Grayson. And this is episode 33, Zombie Apocalypse, and other fun ways to increase preparedness. In this spooky Halloween special, we will be discussing how the fascination with zombies in popular culture may help bring disaster preparedness efforts back from the dead. And also, why zombies might just be the perfect tool to test your all-hazards approach to incident management. So in this episode, we'll be reviewing the use of zombie scenarios in preparedness efforts and ask the question, what has Canada done to prepare for the apocalypse? All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast. Current. Relevant. Canadian. So I'd like to start off this episode by reading to you an open memo I wrote as a disaster management student to the mayor and council of Raccoon City, a group who, if you ask me, grossly mismanaged the catastrophic T-virus release of 1998. (laughs) Okay. Josh, if you're unfamiliar with this incident, perhaps you've heard of the popular series of documentaries entitled Resident Evil. Uh, yes. which captured the impacts of this incident in just gruesome detail. I am, of course, I am, of course, talking about a zombie movie here. Uh, but I did actually write a, a memo as a school assignment. I think I was rather sleep deprived at the time and perhaps a little bit sick of, of school. However, I, I uh, because I use this, this gross fascination with zombies that I have uh, for this assignment, I got really in depth into some of the uh, you know, the best practices around crisis communication, a little yeah. bit into pandemic planning. It really sparked an interest for me. So I'd like to, uh, I'd like to read a, a little excerpt from here. Let's hear it. All right. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, the basic premise is zombies, evil corporation, command and control, hiding the facts of the zombie apocalypse. All right. <laughs> Got it. Here we go. <clears throat> so this is my analysis. Uh, The T-virus strain appears similar in structure and effect to the rabies virus with additional mutagenic properties. The etiology and disease process for this pathogen, however, are poorly understood. This, coupled with a high mortality rate and the disturbing signs and symptoms elicited by those who have contracted the T-virus, has caused a mass of misinformation and conjecture among the public, as well as public unrest. While emergency crews are working hard to address the public safety concerns and contain known outbreaks, the Umbrella Corporation is currently developing a vaccine that is not yet available, uh, and there is public unrest surrounding the perceived lack of government action and communication that remains a problem at the local level. Therefore, a strategy of response uh, emphasizing strong crisis communication and leadership, as well as a community engagement and empowerment, should be employed while avoiding many of the known emergency management pitfalls and myths. So, Josh, you're in the health field. What did I just describe? Uh, yeah, you've described a number of, uh, I think, real-world pandemics. So, Absolutely. in this case, I think uh, fiction has a basis in reality. <laughs> yeah, I got halfway through writing this, and I realized I was writing about Ebola. So, it, it, yeah, so I think it does have a lot of, uh, of reality. Anyways, I go on to talk about some of the uh, crisis communication methods and whatnot, and, and I come up with a few recommendations. So, here we go. Uh, Local leadership should engage in regular press and social media releases to provide updates, engage individuals, and strengthen public health alert messaging without exposing them to the uh, the T-virus. An information hotline and call centers and online public engagement forums should be created to answer questions, provide advice and education, confirm or dispel rumors, and reinforce public statements and alerts. Town hall meetings and public addresses should be avoided due to the possibility of contamination. 
and sensitive or unpleasant topics such as personal protective measures against infected individuals, the possibility of health system failure, and body disposal should not be avoided but should be addressed in a matter-of-fact and detailed manner. Finally, local community organizations such as the Raccoon City Shooting Club or Axe Throwers Anonymous should be engaged early on for possible augmentation <laughs> of response efforts. So uh, that, that last one I sort of joke, threw in there. But I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, also, wash your hands. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, all in good fun, but I can't really think of anything that's wrong with those recommendations that wouldn't fit yep. a, a real life, uh, real life response. Well, this idea of engaging preparedness activities with zombie-themed scenarios um, has become pretty popular in the past few years. Uh, I remember the idea first coming up at a conference when I was down at uh, IEM US in Orlando about a decade ago. Um, and we've seen here in Canada, there's been a number of zombie campaigns in recent years. Uh, the province of BC incorporated it into a province-wide zombie outbreak exercise. The city of Sudbury has done some public education around zombie apocalypse. Same thing in Burlington. The Canadian Red Cross has some information on their website. And it even made its way right to Ottawa, all the way to Parliament, uh, okay. where a few years ago, Minister Baird, uh, then Minister Baird, declared Canada will not be a haven for zombies. <laughs> and uh, was uh, speaking with the opposition about his uh, um, government's relations with the U.S. in terms of planning for zombie that's apocalypse. A, that's, that's a strong, so, a strong public health message there. Yeah, yeah it's hard to uh, disagree with that one. Um, and even. Um, also had a little bit of uh, controversy follow it. In Quebec recently, they uh, proposed a large exercise relating to a zombie planning scenario at a public uh, um, security meeting uh, run by government. And then it received quite a bit of political backlash in the media and, um, you know, questions uh, from the from the taxpaying public. So under the political pressure, they had to publicly cancel it and replace the scenario with a flood instead. Hmm, <laughs> so interesting. not without political pressure. You know, probably one of the most prolific campaigns for preparedness to do with zombies comes from the Center for Disease Control. Uh, this is their very well-known Preparedness 101 Zombie Apocalypse Training Campaign, and it is extensive. It was originally launched in 2011, and it's grown over the years to include educational materials, uh, posters, training modules, and a blog. And it's all aimed at giving disaster preparedness uh, some much-needed time in the spotlight. And initially, it seemed to work. You know, two years after its launch in 2013, the zombie section of the CDC website was getting approximately 1,300% more views than any wow. other posts on the, the CDC. And uh, all of their posts were getting thousands of comments compared to the average of five comments per post that some of their other <laughs> things uh, were getting. So in terms of exposure, it seemed to be working. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Their blog even um, crashed the CDC website at one point and had to be uh, <laughs> set up on a larger server. They uh, eventually received over a million unique uh, hits to their site. So um, pretty good numbers by any public health measure. But as we know, awareness does not always translate into action. So what did you find out about the, the CDC awareness campaign uh, in the, today's Journal Club? 
Yeah, so there interestingly has actually been some research on this topic. Uh, Cravand and Bryant published an article in Public Health Reports back in 2015 looking at the effectiveness of the CDC's zombie campaign compared to a more traditional quote-unquote fact-based campaign. Uh, they took 340, uni- uh, pardon, 340 undergrad students and randomized their exposure to one or the other campaign and did an exit survey assessing effective feelings, retention, and intent to prepare an emergency kit or plan. And the results? Well, the zombie approach had no influence on retention or resulted in less retention than the more factual approach and also saw no difference in likelihood to develop a kit or a plan. That's very disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) The confounders here, obviously, uh, you know, the precarious nature of any survey research that quantifies effective feelings. But the author's conclusions seem pretty sound. It's just difficult to design any public health preparedness messages that are intended to actually change behavior. And we've kind of talked about this before on the show. So is the zombie thing just a fad? Perhaps. And there's been a few other articles, too, looking at this. One uh, editorial uh, that reviewed a few different studies in the New Zealand Medical Journal. Um, This is an article in 2016 by Houghton, uh, Del Monte, and colleagues. uh, Looked at another... um, kind of case-based example where they looked at the use of zombie education for disaster preparedness with younger audience. And they essentially took uh, a group of um, middle school kids, elementary kids, and uh, had them over to the science center for a sleepover and exposed them to various zombie-related scenarios and tried to, to talk about preparedness and include preparedness messaging. And when they did their exit survey to see what sort of things these uh, kids would include in their um, disaster kit or their 72-hour kit, it ended up being a lot of very specific explanations uh, about guns. So AR-15s, mm. rocket launchers, ammunition, <laughs> knives. Yeah. Um, so in the setting of a, you know, uh, I mean, more serious public health uh, situation uh, regarding violence and, and guns and knives, uh, you know, it kind of raised the question, maybe there's some unintended consequences in the messaging. So even though there's no violence or any actual weapons included in any, any of the um, uh, scenarios they described. So maybe take it with a grain of salt. Interesting. So if zombies and as an awareness tool for the public is headed back to the grave, then the question becomes, are they useful for emergency managers in other ways? And I think the answer might be yes, uh, specifically in all hazards planning and the incident management based exercise design process. So a really good example of this comes out of the States. The Department of Defense published a 33-page plan called Con Plan 8888. This is their counter-zombie dominance plan, uh, and it is absolutely hilarious, but is also really thoughtful and in-depth. They use this plan as part of a training course for up-and-coming planners, uh, and it's used basically to show the different elements of planning and how they can be applied to any situations. Specifically, some of the things that I like about this plan is that it states within the plan that this has been declassified to ensure maximum utility during times of crisis. We all know that a plan, you know, might end up on the shelf and start collecting dust and it's of no use to anyone if it is secret, if only the person who wrote the plan uh, is able to use it. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's a really good takeaway for planning in general. And then uh, the other specific part of this plan that I quite liked is that Uh, It states that CONPLAN is a contingency-oriented plan designed to be used as a point of departure for crisis action planning. Too often, too often, we see plans that are far too tactical, 
that are far too hazard-based, that are not the the basis for action, but actually try to dictate action. And that is so dangerous. That static mm. planning on a dynamic situation always ends in failure. And this is a great example of, uh, of a plan that encourages flexibility and encourages uh, a, a little bit of creativity and that outside of the box thinking. Yeah, and sometimes asking questions in a plan can be more useful than having any sort of prescriptive direction. Mm -hmm. So this plan even goes on to say, what about if these aren't just the classic slow zombies? What if these zombies have other characteristics? We've heard of fast zombies. They even talked about magic zombies that might (laughs) uh, be more difficult to kill and they would have to enroll their chaplain corps to start having supernatural interventions if standard military weapons weren't effective um so obviously done tongue-in-cheek but i think it that you know opens up this open sky thinking which is really what you want to encourage uh for your planning process the other thing i like about zombies as a preparedness tool for the emergency manager is within exercise design so i've always struggled with this idea of uh scenario creation for exercises i think far too much time is spent on deciding what sort of hazard we're going to focus on this time around. And that kind of flies in the face of capacity-based planning principles and that all-hazard-based approach to emergency management. So, uh, you know, the the classic example is in in incident command system training. Uh, There's always that same scenario of the Crescent City uh, train derailment. And Mm -hmm. in every class that I've ever been in, the students who might not have any knowledge of hazardous chemicals or anything like that spend about half an hour looking up diazinon and the the side effects yes. and the the, the plume <laughs> modeling and that sort of thing and that is not the intent uh and we have all heard about oh diazinon yeah, yeah. i think yeah yeah and that is just not the intent of the class that is not the intent of the scenario and on a larger scale i see it happen all the time people start digging down and getting really technical and tactical uh, in ways to combat that specific hazard. And that should not be the intent of, of the exercise. It should be how do you manage your resources and your uh, you know, management by objective and, and getting, into the, yeah. Yeah, getting into the, uh, the actual incident management part of it. Uh, so using scenarios like a zombie apocalypse where there is no tactical knowledge on combating zombies other than from uh, from Hollywood might be a good way to get people out from their little tactical uh, technical specialist bubble and into more of the principles of emergency management the other the other thing that i think zombies or more fantastical scenarios bring to the table is it counters any uh, political issues that might come up around using a real incident or or something that hits a bit too close to home. Uh, I've now been around for a couple of in, of uh, exercises that had to be cancelled uh, or changed at the last second because something very similar to what the exercise was going to be about happened. And uh, you know, there's still some pretty raw nerve ends and and uh, emotions flying around. I think we need an Avenger-based um, oh, I agree. Uh, planning scenario. And 
<laughs> we can probably rewrite the last uh, Avengers movie better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, moving on to tools of the trade after this episode. So we're going to point you towards the actual CDC website, which uh, we'll uh, put a link on Twitter. Essentially, this is a one-stop shop for everything zombie emergency management related. They've got resources both for emergency planners as well as the public, including teachers and educators, um, lessons, lesson plans. Uh, they've got sample posters and lots of public awareness tools. It's all free, and it even says that you're welcome to to take them, modify them, use them however you want. Um, so a great resource uh, and uh, kind of interesting. The, the hook, as we've mentioned, obviously is zombies, but you can see it's very thoughtful in how they've put the resources together. One of the lessons plans I was looking at, uh, uh, it's a high school audience it's aimed for, but you know it starts off with zombies and then very quickly dives deeper into some more rich discussion and includes school-based tabletop discussions and case studies around the Joplin tornado, the Chicago heat wave, and, and SARS and other events. So um, I think there's some real good learning there. And certainly if you have any uh, teaching colleagues or you're trying to share resources with uh, schools in your community, this is a great website. So uh, the CDC Zombie Apocalypse Education Site. I really like that. You know, th- there might be some issues with zombie-based awareness, but the the guts of the issue here uh, it really really speaks to the ability of emergency managers to leverage opportunities the wherever the they are. The brains <laughs> of the issue, yeah. Um, you know, we, we have we, we do really do have to be like leeches. We have to leech onto anything that the public is talking about, anything that is going on, any holidays, and craft messaging or develop exercises based on what's in the spotlight at the moment. Yeah, the uh, original team that actually designed the CDC campaign, and FEMA used some of this in their Ready uh, campaign as well, Um, but the CDC uh, designers uh, actually won an innovation award, an emergency management innovation Hmm. award for their uh, good work in in this program that's become very popular. And... um, uh, Megan Silver was one of the the original authors, and she had a has a great interview which I was reviewing, and she basically talks about the importance of realizing what the public is talking about right now instead of having top down preparedness messaging messaging and the kind of classic fear based or or you know somewhat preachy uh, um, campaigns that we're known for. And uh, in this case, if people are talking about zombies, then fine, let's use zombies because as we know, disasters are applicable to almost anything, and uh, we should use that uh, um, to start the conversation. Just before we go, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kazowski, and we, uh, we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. To find out more, visit parkpower.ca. This episode is also brought to you by the Alberta Forest Products Association, who have prepared a message just for you. Alberta loves its forests and its shows. In the last 20 years alone, Alberta's forest industry planted and nurtured 2 billion trees. Strategic harvesting is helping slow the spread of the mountain pine beetle. Take that, you scourge of infestation. Oh, and Alberta's forest industry creates enough green energy to power four cities the size of Grand Prairie. If that doesn't power your heart in the process, chances are you need to learn more about your relationship with Alberta's forests. Go to loveabforests.com. 
And that's all for this episode of Epic Podcast. A very happy Halloween to you and yours. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production, a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go, and the views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may be a part of. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at the username epic underscore underscore podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian.